Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. My name is Zach. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, it's Calvary 316 for a lot of reasons. There's some great 316 verses, but mainly we're off of Highway 316. And so if you're in the Athens, Georgia area and you don't have a church, check us out. Our website is calvary316.tv. Our media site is c316.tv. And our Sunday service is at 1030. I hope you stay with me over the next hour or so, if you're listening. Um, today we have a really special uh, special episode, mainly because... We have a very special guest with us today, and uh, it's a friend of mine. Her name is Erin Stoffel. And Erin, are you with us? I'm here. Well, thank you so much for being with us on the Outlaw Radio Show. And uh, and your last name for the audience is? Stoffel. Erin <laughs> Stoffel. And where, where are you from, Erin? I'm from Wisconsin. What part of Wisconsin? Um, south of Green Bay. South of Green Bay. So just for the audience's understanding. Go Pack um, Go. Oh, go pack, go! Well, that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult because the Falcons could very well face the Packers in the playoffs, and that might that might lend to some some complicated interactions here. But for the for the purposes for the purposes of of why you're on the radio show, so for the audience's sake, um, I um, I, I won't I, I don't want to classify myself as as a friend per se. Um, I'm more of a qu- an acquaintance. I went to Bible college right. uh, with Aaron and and her husband John, and um, and one of the interesting things is that uh, that John and I, and I think even you, Aaron, like we served. Um, do you remember Dirt Daddy? Do oh, you remember? Yeah. yeah, we we were on yep. the landscaping crew together, and uh, we had different jobs, and we and 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 a lot of our interactions overlapped. But um, but you couldn't miss. Um, your husband John. I mean, the the at the time <laughs> it was a yeah. bright red mullet mm-hmm. and the thick, the thick Wisconsin accent. And I think there there was a, a bit of a kindred spirit because you guys were made fun of a lot yep. for your Wisconsin <laughs> accent. And um, and as a Georgia boy, um, a lot of people couldn't really understand uh, exactly where. Yeah, that accent as well. <laughs> so I think it was just the, the the pure inner, the pure default. Like we, no one okay. understood us. You got to realize, though, that because John yeah. had a mullet, like that did not define all us Wisconsin people. <laughs> <That> did, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, well, for me, it was, I mean, he was, John was, um, like you, you, you just didn't forget him. And no. for me, I just remember, <laughs> I remember you guys, um, I remember John cutting palm trees and that oh, was yeah. just the dirty, terrible job. And I was so <laughs> glad he was doing it and I wasn't. And fishing in the lake at the Bible oh, College, yeah. and I was like, "Man, I really hope that dude does." That's a doesn't... pond. That's not. Oh a lake. man, <laughs> yeah, right. I hope he like. I just remember thinking, "I really hope he doesn't eat any of those fish because um, yeah. that's that's going to be disgusting, disgusting." And and so we we I graduated Bible College, moved back to Georgia. I knew you guys um, had moved back to Wisconsin. We for 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 the audience' sake, we've completely lost lost touch. I, I didn't know anything about really what happened with you guys for the next decade um, until um, I ended up hanging out with a friend of mine who happens to be a friend of yours. His name's Seth. And um, and Seth was able to kind of tell me um, somehow you guys came up and, and the stories overlapped. And he told me a lot about what had happened um, to you and your family uh, since Bible college. And I just thought, man, 
that is the most powerful thing I've heard. And that really moves me. And I've got to have Aaron on the show. And so I just, I know Seth is listening right now. I just want to thank Seth uh, for, for making this possible, making this happen. I want to thank you for driving uh, the hour and a half, almost two hours uh, to come to Seth's studio so that we could record uh, this episode. And, and for the sake of time, just kind of setting the stage here, like I, I, want, I want you to tell the audience just a little bit about how you and John originally met and kind of the events, because if I recall, you guys came to Bible college already a couple. Right. So yep. tell me a little bit about how you and John met. Um, well, I was 16 years old when, and John was 17 when we met. Um, we met in youth group. Um, and we just, I got saved in, gosh, I should know this, um, two th- not 2019, that would be that would be, this, that would be the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ninety nine. What church? Um, so you guys you guys met in youth group. What church was it? Um, it was called Integrity Christian okay. Center. So, um, and we just hung out with the same group of friends. And and John was a very frugal person, if anybody knew him. And to the point, so he went to. We both lived in different cities that were neighboring cities, and he asked me if. I would carpool with him to save for gas. And I'm like, so I was passing by pretty much right where he was. So we started carpooling to church and we just got really close as friends and um, started so he dating. Pulled, so he pulled the let's save gas. Yes, trick. he did. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. It worked. It, it worked. Yeah. So you guys really wanted to save gas. though. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are, are saving gas going to youth group together. Yep. Con- right. Continue the story. And we went to prom together and I went to the, my rival school to his prom. Um, and then, so he, he graduated the year before I did. So he ended up going to Bible college the year before me. And I was still unsure about it. Like I wanted to go to Bible college, but at the same time it was in California and, you know Landon Churchill? Do you know him? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. He's the one that was encouraging us both to go before we're even dating, actually. Um, so then after that, um, he went out there, and I went and visited him and Landon out there, and I just like just fell in love with the Bible College. I never heard the word taught that way and just got me hungry for the word and for God and such a different way so I decided that I was going to go too so when I graduated high school um, we both went out there so his first semester and or my first semester was his third semester what um, year what year was this um, this was 2001 okay right yeah um, and then actually we got engaged like right after 9-11 happened and I remember um, it was literally like six days after that happened so we, I got engaged three months out of high school. <laughs> and wow, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, got married the following year, um, following August. And then um, we, I never, so actually I didn't finish Bible college. We thought we would stay home a year and go back, but that didn't happen because I ended up getting pregnant and we wanted to stay close to family. And so um, he did three semesters and I did the two. And so he worked his last semester pretty much to pay for a ring but <laughs> so he so he worked yeah. the last semester to pay for a ring and uh which which if anyone knows bible college is 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 not out of 
out of the question. It's not abnormal in any no, regard. Not at all. But you guys, so so you came to Bible college and then knew that John was the one that you were supposed to marry. Correct. Yep. And so you guys moved back to Wisconsin. What year was that? Um, two thousand two. Two thousand and two. And it was there that, that you were that you get very quickly were, were got pregnant. Yep. <laughs> like well, a year and a half later, we had her after we got so you married. Got, you, so you got married and quickly pregnant. And, and your firstborn, her name was, was what? Olivia. Olivia. And so you yeah. and John and Olivia are in Wisconsin. Yep. And, uh, and just kind of tell me about life. Tell me what God was doing. Oh, man. So when I had Olivia, I was 21. And John was working... Um, he started working two jobs, actually. So he was working for an oil company, and he started a landscaping company with a friend. Um, well, he didn't. It was he wasn't. He just helped his business get in a go. Um, and I stayed home with Olivia. So it, um, it was an eye-opening year because <laughs> getting a, having a baby right. is, is right. a joke. <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> but it was a huge blessing. Um, life changing for me, for sure. Um, so that was just, he go to work and I was at home and, um, growing, growing up through high school, what, what did you want to be? Like, what was your, what was your dream? What did the Lord kind of put on your heart? What um, did I want to be when I grew up? <laughs> yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I'm one of the few people that really didn't have any <laughs> idea what I wanted to be. Um, I think most people can relate to that, honestly. Yeah, I really do. When so I was you didn't really know. Did you want to be a mom? Did you want? Did you, was there? I wanted. A particular? Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, you I didn't. did. I did, and I didn't. Like it was one of those where I wanted to be a mom because that's like what you did when you got married. But yeah, at the same time, like actually being a mother terrified me. As was just like, oh my gosh, but. I mean that could have had a lot to do with getting married young. I'm not sure, but after I huh. got after I got pregnant with Olivia, it was like God like changed my heart like immediately, and um, I look back and I'm like, gosh, I couldn't imagine not being a mom. Like it was just like the best. I just loved loved it. Loved staying home. Loved being a mother. Um, hard, but so rewarding. So rewarding. So you so, yeah. so you and John, you're young and you've just got married. You're, you're in, and you've just had a baby and you're, you're figuring out life, figuring out how to pay bills, where mm-hmm. to get health insurance. Um, <laughs> um, and you're involved in, in ministry at this point. Um, um, not like, I mean, he just had a normal job. I mean, ministry, I guess to us was, you know, wherever you were, you know, like it's absolutely, just, you know, at the home or um at his job or but we weren't involved in any specific like church ministry or anything like that no just loving jesus and being faithful and every bible study that could be involved in john was a you know such an extrovert i mean like i know (laughs) i know absolutely that i felt like we were go go going all the time and so he just he loved he embraced church he embraced people and um so we weren't very involved in the church, but he was But not in an official capacity. Now, no. it was it was a few years until you decided to have a second child, correct? Yep. <laughs> um, so, so Ezra came along 
uh, about three and a half years later. Wow. So you guys are figuring out life. You've mm-hmm. had you've had Olivia and then yep. you have Ezra. Yep. But then it wasn't it wasn't too far after that that you decided to have a third. You kind of went yep. one, two, and then might as yep. well throw in a third, right? <laughs> so the it's interesting too because the day Ezra was born, I remember thinking we're gonna be back here. And we were considering <laughs> being done, like but God was like, No, you're not <laughs> So um yeah, I knew we'd have one more. Um, now, what what was the what was the I have I have two children. So, mm-hmm. so can you just quickly tell me what the what the interactions, what the family dynamic was like with three? Um, with three, well, like you o- know. Olivia is a little older than the other ones, and so yes. was there a a big sister mentality there? Oh yeah, she was great. She was she was very motherly herself in being the oldest girl or, you know, the oldest and being a girl. I think that had a lot to do with it, but, um, mm. um, she prayed for a little sister and <laughs> <laughs> she got her little sister after a little brother. <laughs> she wanted a little sister. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I really wanted a sister for her. I am between two brothers and I always wanted a sister. So, um, I was hoping she would and she did so yeah she was great um she was like she just turned it was right before she turned six that she got her little sister so um i don't know it's i remember my mom always saying two is a cakewalk wait till you have three because oh you have boy because you have two hands one for each child and then when you get the third you know it throws you off and <laughs> and i always thought you know two having a boy and a girl it's like well I don't know you they kind of like have their own stuff and i'm like we gotta have a third to throw it off <laughs> right well and, and, yeah. and like vehicles vehicles are set up for four right you throw in a, a fifth for a family vehicle and, <laughs> yep. and it changes it changes everything yeah uh, that you have to do so so real quick we're running up against a break but i want okay. the audience to just kind of know as we're setting the scene here that, that aaron and john the lord has blessed them uh, really with just a beautiful family. They're a normal family, Wisconsin. Um, nothing really um, uniquely special in the sense that just faithful Christians that love the Lord, uh, making their way, uh, loving Jesus, loving each other. And yet when we come back, um, things changed in a hurry. And uh, please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Outlaw Radio Show. One of the missions of Outlaw Radio is to bring your attention to ministry resources that will benefit your personal study of the Bible and spiritual growth. With this in mind, we want you to check out Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Not only is their vision to help the thinker believe, but they exist to help the believer think. To accomplish both of these aims, their website, rzim.org, is filled with tons of free resources aimed at not only answering your own difficult questions, but with the intention of providing the necessary tools to defend your faith in an ever-growing, hostile world. Once again, you can learn more about Ravi Zacharias International Ministries by visiting rzim.org. That's rzim.org. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. We're joined with Aaron Stoffel, uh, a, a dear friend, a guest. And uh, in the last block, she was describing um, your traditional, really uh, stereotypical American family. Husband, a wife, three kids, the heartland. 
We're in Wisconsin. Uh, loving Jesus, faithfully serving Jesus in the capacities, the normal ways that, that the Lord affords us to. Um, a beautiful, beautiful daughter, Olivia. You have Ezra. You have Selah. Anything you want to add to that, Aaron? Just just setting the, the context, setting the scene here? Yeah, like you said, a very, I guess, normal American family life. And God is, you know, doing a work in our family and just, yeah, going to so, kids going to school and all that. <laughs> yep. So I want to I want to fast forward the timeline here to a very difficult day, and I know that uh, May third, mm-hmm. two thousand and fifteen. Um, open the day. It's a Sunday, correct? Yes. So 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 explain to me kind of the day. Okay. Um. Well, we went to get ready and went to church. Um. That morning, and the, it was a beautiful day, actually. Very beautiful. The kids, um, two younger kids went to Sunday school, and John and I and Olivia went to church service. And um, I remember um, actually having a moment where I was between John and Olivia, and I was looking up at John um, and just thanking God for him and then looking down at Olivia and thanking God for her. And I don't know like where that spurred from, but I just, I just remember we were just worshiping and just feeling super blessed at that moment. And, um, then after church, we, um, John actually had a family event going on and I had to work, um, worked at the Y. And so he went to the family event. I went to the Y for a couple hours and then we came back home. Um, and since it was such a nice day out and, um, I don't know, we had a f- light day, you know, left in the day yet. Um, there, we talked about going to this, or I brought up you know, of going to this park. Um, and this park had an old trestle trail bridge that was turned to a walking bridge, um, with a, it was newer with a, so we thought, well, let's go do that. We'll go for a walk. We had our little dog with us and, um, so we went to the park and um, saw some people we knew there and took the kids to the bathroom and decided to make our way across the bridge first. And then we let the kids play at the park when we got back. Um, so we walked um, across pretty much almost to the end, but it was like, um, it was the spring. So there was a lot of lake flies right up here and... So we decided not to finish it and turn around. We actually were looking over the side and we saw like a family of ducks um, and decided to turn back. And so we started to head our way back. And in the middle of this bridge, there's like a, a red pavilion area with some benches and whatnot. And um, we were walking up toward this pavilion in the middle. And um, Ezra was actually up ahead with the dog. And... Um, thankfully, and we were just getting up there, and all of a sudden, I don't know, it, I don't know what John saw, because we didn't have any conversation. It all happened so fast, but I could actually. Um, there was a man sitting on a bench, and we heard a gunshot, and saw the man fall over. And as I kept, be, I knew there was something wrong, obviously. So I was walking with the girls, and I had Selah in hand, and um. And John stopped to approach um, the man 
and he had like this satchel thing that was in front of him and he was holding his hand behind it and so I kept going and then I stopped and turned around and then when I stopped you know or when John stopped Olivia stopped between um John and I so she was I don't know about five feet from me maybe now where was where was Ezra because you had mentioned Ezra had gone up ahead with the yep. dog he was up ahead with the dog already okay. so he wasn't even he so was, he's kind of out of the scene yes per se okay yeah. Um, and this man said, um, I don't know what happened. He just fell over and he pulled out a gun and shot John in the chest. And then he pointed the gun at me, shot me in the leg and then shot Olivia. And then we all fell to the ground. Um, and, um, I remember getting back up and thinking, I mean, when you're, when something like that happens, you really just you can't comprehend what's going on and in your mind, you know, one thing, but at the same time, it's just, you, you don't believe it at the, at the other end. And, yeah. um, so he shot John again in the chest and I remember, um, his words saying, you know, may God forgive you. And I remember at that moment thinking, if I don't get out of here now, I'm going to be stuck here. And I still like, didn't even like comprehend what's going on. And so I, I grabbed Selah's hand, um, and Olivia was just too far from me. There was just, it was, it was the hardest, hardest thing I had to do. Um, but there was no time and I grabbed Selah's hand and started running. Um, and at the time I didn't know that he was shooting at us as we were running. Um, I don't remember hearing actually any gunshots after I started running, um, and I caught, I, I was almost up to, caught up to Ezra and I felt like this just gush go down my legs. And I honestly thought like I was wetting myself or something from shock because I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And hmm. when I looked down and I grabbed my side, I had blood all over my hand and my daughter said, um, mom, you're bleeding. And that's when like, it really just all started to come together in my mind. Um, so I caught up to Ezra and, um, I just said, you need to go. He asked what was happening. And I said, you need to go up ahead. You need to call, have someone call 911. And, um, you know, I could tell he was hesitant because he didn't want to leave me. But he listened and he went up ahead and got a hold of a family. And, you know, by that time, I think people were running off the bridge and they saw it. And I didn't run past one person, though. So it was just, to me, like, there was no one around. But I got to the end of the end of the bridge and um I um saw another man and I tried to yell for help for him and I finally just sat down on this this gravel um wow lay down and all of a sudden like the pain of the gunshots so I got shot in my hand my leg and my abdomen um and thankfully my daughter didn't get shot but as I was laying there and the pain came on me. It was just, I mean, I've given birth three times and this was the worst, this was the worst pain I've ever experienced. And um, I remember looking down the bridge and I could see my husband and my daughter laying there and I knew that they were gone. Oh. Um, I mean, it was pretty far down too, but I'll never forget the picture of that. Um, no. So, you know, all the police from all different areas came and whatnot and... 
I stayed conscious the entire time. Um, but and, I and while and while that was happening, your daughter Selah is with you, or she has was, she gone up with Ezra? No, Ezra was nowhere to be found. He actually, that I, I mean, he was with the family, but I didn't know that at the time. Right. Um, Selah was next to me. There was a another officer there, I guess, or there was an, a a couple that kind of took stayed by her and I could hear them ask, asking her questions, trying to keep her calm until a police officer came. But, um, it was, a felt like the longest time of my life just waiting. Cause I was in, and I remember at that moment too, thinking, wow, everything's changing. Everything's changing right now. Just like how that. long, how long until the paramedics arrived? I guess they were there within, I don't know, minutes, but to me, it felt like hours. Right. <laughs> um, they, I could hear them. They're actually on the other side of the bridge um, waiting because they didn't know how many, they didn't, had no idea how many people were hit or exactly what was going on. And um, an officer figured out that, that there was, or overheard someone say there was somebody wounded on the other side. So they finally, came over but i just remember hearing sirens for for out just felt like forever and i'm like where are they where are they because um you know i've just i was it was just unbearable the pain that i felt but um, let me let me ask and and you don't have to answer this but um the way that you're articulating the scene mm-hmm. is it seems that that as you're laying there dealing with your own your own physical wounds that there right. was also um, you were also dealing with some some major emotional ones. Knowing, I mean, at that point, were you? Did you know what had happened in the sense of like? I, I know you didn't know all of the things, but as far as John and Olivia, it it sounds you know, like from the scene. Yeah, I mean, you know what happened, but honestly, like in your in that moment, nothing seems real. You know, it just. I just remember thinking like, this doesn't, this isn't real. This isn't, it doesn't sink in. You know, it's like your body just, I was talking to an officer recently about it and she says, you do, you just, you, your, your body kind of just goes in survival mode and your mind. And, you know, that's why she says, you'll probably never remember those gunshots being, when you're being shot at, when you're running, she's like, because you're, this is just how your body protects itself. And, um, so it's like, you know, you, I knew what I saw, but like it, it didn't sink in. It just, you know, my body's doing one thing, trying to survive. And then at the same time, mentally, the picture that you're seeing and what you just experienced, you're trying to just, you know, it's, it's a very overwhelming moment. Well, I mean, and I don't, it's not like I forgot any of it, but it just. I understand. It, yeah. I understand. Well, listen, we're, we're running up against a break. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Outlaw Radio Show. Hearing a story like this is extremely difficult. It reminds us of the sin that has permeated our world, that has brought death and destruction upon mankind. Uh, We encourage you to stay with us for the second half of today's edition of the Outlaw Radio Show. Zach will continue talking to Aaron Stoffel about this tragic event. Thanks again for joining us for this somber edition of the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. Zach is continuing to talk with Aaron Stoffel 
We close the first half of today's show with a devastating scene, something that uh, would be in your worst nightmares. Uh, I want to turn it back over to Zach and Aaron as they continue to talk about that day. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. Um, We're having an interview with Aaron Stoffel, and if you were with us, where we left off the last break is a very difficult place. So... It's a beautiful spring evening. It's May 3rd, 2015. It's 7.30 p.m. John and his wife, Erin, their three young children, are enjoying a quiet stroll across a bridge. And then tragedy strikes out of the blue. Uh, John is shot twice in the chest. Yeah. Olivia, Erin's daughter, is also struck Aaron is shot, and correct me if I'm wrong, three times. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And she's she's taken her two other children to safety to try to get off the bridge. Um, you know, part of part of the story is that. Um, well, I guess let me let me take one step back. Now, now that I mean everything's been litigated, everything's been investigated. Though in the moment you're you're blindsided, you have no idea what's going on. Right. From retrospect, like what actually happened that day from from what you know? Like like what what really took place? Like for the, the audience most most of my audience has no idea they're not from the local area. They don't they don't realize Oh sure. So so there was a shooter. Yep. There was a shooter and he um you know, he he wasn't, you know, after any of us. We just happened to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Um, there's another man, um, that was killed and before us, and then my husband and daughter were killed that day. Um, I was shot three times and, um, my two younger kids thankfully got away. Um, but it was a random, random shooting. So, so it was totally random. And, and from, from the reports that I, I read, he, he ended up taking his own life. Is that yeah, correct? That is so correct. So it was yep. it was a murder suicide. Right. Wasn't targeting anyone. Was just in a very dark, a dark, terrible place. And um, and your family got caught in the middle of it. Is that is that a fair way to assess it? Yeah. Pretty much, we walked right into it. You walked right into it. Now, one of the one of the most um, powerful things that you that you mentioned in the last block, but didn't elaborate on that I'd like to revisit before we move on is that so so here you are your your Ezra's up ahead mm-hmm. um there's there's a bit of a disturbance John John walks up which, which doesn't surprise me because that was the type of man that John was John was he right. was a compassionate man he was he cared for others and yeah um and and if he sent you know there there are people that if they sense something's wrong they run and John was the type of guy that if he sensed something was wrong, he he wanted to be part of a solution. Right. And so he his natural inclination was to move forward and to see what was going on, how he could remedy it, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we didn't have any like conversation what was going on, but yeah, that would be John's That was John. Yeah. That was John, absolutely. And and the little I knew of him that that, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And then and then he gets he gets shot yep. once. He was actually sh- shot seven times, and Olivia was shot three times. And Olivia I didn't f- was shot. Yeah. Mm. 
And in the process of it, you had mentioned hearing, hearing something that John said. I guess it was his final words. Yeah. What did, what did he say? Well, the final words that I heard him say, and it was, may God, he said it to the shooter. He said, may God forgive you. Um, and that was the last thing I heard him say. Wow. How powerful. And that, that doesn't surprise you about your husband, does no. it? No, not at all. No. Um, I remember waking up. I mean, I was in intensive care and that first week is quite, quite blurry for me, but I remember waking up and, um, seeing his, some of his family members. And I remember just trying almost, you know, I'm trying to comfort them. I couldn't talk. I had a breathing tube, but like I was, I remember reaching around, grabbing their hands and just, you know, hurting along with them. And, but I still wanted them to, to know what I, the re, because what he said, I thought, you know, would bring comfort to them just to know where John's heart was at. And, um, so I, you know, tried telling him by writing, writing it, but, um, I was on a lot of medication, so. And that that actually been what ended up being part of uh, of several news outlets actually yeah. misconstrued. Yep. Uh, yeah. What you had said, correct? Yeah. Well, I you know I was I wasn't like telling <laughs> his last words exactly. I was just saying he right. forgave the shooter, and so right. that that yeah got a lot and of and some people and some I guess some people had had at like took it to say that he was telling you right to forgive the shooter, but in actuality he was saying it the to one him. yeah he was the one yeah. forgiving how yep. powerful yeah yep so so you not to get too far ahead but here you are you're you're <laughs> you're bleeding out you've been shot three times Para- paramedics arrive i i assume they logically get you immediately to the emergency room what what happens over the next uh, like 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 get into the story i mean you're unconscious you're well, I wasn't unconscious, actually. Oh, you weren't? Okay. No. Um, so I remember feeling, um, I remember one officer, I remember seeing a bunch of them running around me. I mean, they had the, just, you know, police officer with these shields. And I just, you know, like, this is like what's going on. And I guess they had two vehicles, police vehicles, because they didn't, you know, they were assessing. They don't even know exactly what's going on themselves. So um, two police vehicles to shield me and. An officer came and um, that was tending to me. I remember just begging her to knock me out. <laughs> like, can you punch me in the face? And, <laughs> oh, good. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, can you do something? And it was like oh. every every person I saw was like, well, can you put me out? Because, I mean, that's how bad it was. I mean, like, wow. the pain was just unbearable. And um, they brought me into the ambulance. And I remember that was just horrible in itself, thinking, like, this is the worst. I don't think I got these things figured out yet. <laughs> like, this is all going through <laughs> oh, my mind. I was in so much pain and then all the bumps and can you guys put me out? And they're like, no, we can't. But I remember actually when I got to the trauma center um, and they finally like, I remember seeing the mask um, to put me out. And I just remember thanking God and going, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because at that point, I'm just like, whatever, wherever I go, if I'm going to die, if I'm not, you know, like I just need to be put out of my misery. And um, so they put me out and. I don't know how long the surgery was, but, you know, I did have one bolt, bullet go through my right lower abdomen um, and came out my back, um, lower back. And that went through my smaller intestine and hit my um, 
my colon. So they, I pretty much had toxins that were just killing me in itself. And, um, so they had to open me up and clean me out. And the next morning, I don't know, actually, I don't even know when I woke up. I think it was the next day, but, um, I remembered everything as soon as I woke up, I remembered everything that happened. And, um, I think my first question was, where's John and Olivia? And even though like, I, I remember them on the bridge, like I remember seeing them. There was hope. Um, there was hope. Yeah. And oh. remember the nurses scrambling around looking for my dad and like just even them doing that. It was like, uh, yeah, I know what happened. And, um, you know, and then they told me and, um, you know, that first week is just, I mean, it's such a blur. It's just, I mean, I, my dad kept all my, all the papers that I, I wrote on before I could talk. And I'm like, I don't know how you made any of that out. Cause it's just in my mind, it looked right. But to them, it just didn't make any sense. But um, yeah, that first week was was pretty rough. And now, how long were you ultimately in the hospital for? Uh, Twenty one days. Twenty one days. Yeah. And and during this time, your your other two children, I assume, stayed with family that they were. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They were with the family. So. So at this point, you can't even begin to process, you know, single motherhood. You're you're just in a fight for your own your own survival. Yeah, I do remember thinking at one point, um, "Wow, it's just me," you know, and my two kids now. Like I remember thinking that, like, just I had a moment of, it, you know, and it was just brief, but just going, just almost part of the shock, you know, just going, "Huh, this is this is how it's going to be now," you know. This and, is the new context. Yep. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot more to this story, and would you mind staying over for one more block? Yep. Well, listen, please don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show live. Uh, we're with Erin Stoffel, so delighted that she's with us, and we'll wrap her story up when we return. This is Josh. You're listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. And again, today's edition of this program is quite a bit different uh, than the norm of what you're used to hearing. We are listening to a difficult story right now from Erin Stoffel. Thus far, Erin has lost her husband, John, and her daughter, Olivia, uh, again, to a deranged uh, lunatic um, who eventually killed himself. And Erin has just come to uh, from being sedated at the hospital and learned of this loss. Uh, We encourage you to keep the Stoffel family in your prayers and uh, do stick with us. We're going to turn this back over to Pastor Zach and Aaron. Welcome back to the Outlaw Radio Show. This is is a heavy, heavy episode uh, discussing just something that's just radical. And that's the story of Aaron Stoffel and, and her husband, John, and daughter, Olivia, and how they were indiscriminately Uh, caught up in just a tragedy and you know jesus tells us that um that we're in the world we're not of the world Uh, but he doesn't he doesn't promise that we'd be immune to just the natural things that happen in in a fallen world marred by sin and that even good people experience incredible hardship and and while today we know that john and and olivia are with jesus and they're in a much better place uh, the heartache, the pain of those that that remain um, is very palpable. And and to try to wrap your brain around uh, what Aaron, a loving wife, uh, a loving mother, 
uh, what she was going through, trying to cope with the reality, her new context. Um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think that that's something any of us can really wrap our brains around. And so, Aaron, I just I, I want to ask that as you're processing now this. Uh, you're not only healing from your physical wounds, but now you're dealing with just the real emotional and 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 just the the brutal reality of a new context. Uh, can you kind of tell us about that process? Um, yeah, I remember specifically. Um, so after I was in the ICU for a week, I remember them moving me up to the sixth floor, which is um, like an after surgery medical floor and I remember being very fearful of that um, I was very protected you know this was all over the news um, nationwide um, even in different countries and I just remember like having fear of moving anywhere else because I was so protected in there um, and um, they did not end up me moving me um, and then the next thing I remember facing was the first time the funerals were brought up and I remember just thinking oh my gosh lord what are you asking me to do to bury my husband and, and my daughter? You know, like it just all, I think that's like the first time um, it really hit me hard um, was that overwhelming thought of burying my two people. I my can't husband, imagine. Daughter. I can't imagine. And um, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, I remember one night I just couldn't sleep and my parents were trading off staying with me in the hospital and I was trying to wake up my dad. You know, I was, I couldn't find my button for my bed to call a nurse and I couldn't sleep and I was just having a lot of anxiety. Um, and I, so I actually like got up cause he just went, he was just, I mean, he's been busy you know, he's going through it emotionally and just preparing everything. He was taking on a lot. So he was just out of it, exhausted. And so I got up and plugged myself from a wall. No and, way. <laughs> yeah. wow. I could barely walk at this point, but I'm like, um, I need help. You know, I couldn't find my button. There was nowhere, nothing to push to call a nurse. And um, I actually had a security guard outside my door 24 seven too. So I'm, you know, they have those, I forget what those poles are called that hold all your, your bags. You, right. right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pulling that thing along and I go to the door oh. and I peek out and I never really talked to the security guards outside the door and I poke my head out. I'm like, Hey, <laughs> can you find a nurse? So I, I think I scared him. But he, got, <laughs> oh, man. He, he got up and found a nurse, went back to the bed. And I just remember them like calming me down. And, um, so that week was really rough. Um, I couldn't even think about a funeral. I couldn't even, you know, I just handed that all over to the family. And I just said, I trust you guys with whatever you want to do with this, but I can't deal with this. And just let alone having to go to it was enough, you know, for me. But the but the Lord took care of you. Yeah, the day. So the day of the funeral, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people praying for me, a lot of great friends coming to my side. And um, but the day of the funeral, I just remember God gave me this overwhelming peace of just, just peace. And um, my family was busy. My parents and John's family was busy doing all the funeral stuff. And um, so I had a few girlfriends that stayed with me and took care of me that day. And um, there's actually like a team that my surgeon, he had a team that um, 
because I couldn't sit in a car, you know, and it was this battle, like, am I going to go to the funeral? Like, can I not? Because, you know, I was having so many, I was in, you know, bad shape. And, um, but in my mind, as much as I didn't want to go, I'm like, how can I not go? You know? And so they, they took me on a stretcher and they took me in another ambulance to the, the funeral. And, um, there was just so many people there and, you know, all I could do was pretty much go to the funeral and leave. I couldn't do anything else. And, I remember being pushed down in a wheelchair to the to the front with my two kids on each side, and I remember just seeing both of those caskets, just like oh. one on each side of me, um, looking there. Um, at one point, you know, there was worship songs, and Amazing Grace came on, and I just remember thinking, um, Lord, you know, you you call us to praise you, no matter what, you know, praise you in the storm, and um with his strength i was able to stand up and i just started worshiping him and i didn't know like what was happening behind me but that caused everybody else to get up you know just to get up and worship and um praise the lord and just give it all to him you know and i think i just really learned they're his you know they're his and they're with him and um so then i after the after the funeral and then the next morning was the um, burial and then the following Saturday or that same week that Saturday um, John was actually supposed to be a best man in a wedding and I was in the wedding too and I remember sitting in the bed um, hospital bed and just just you know buried my husband and daughter and I remember thinking wow their life is starting and my life has just you know completely just feeling completely broken spiritually, physically, mentally. Um, couldn't be there for my kids. Just completely broken and utter, utter pain. And um, now, before before we get to how the Lord sustained you, yeah, the Lord's sustenance after the storm mm-hmm. um, is really kind of a byproduct, according to our conversation of his preparations before the storm and and very quickly we're running out of time, but could you just give me an example of how the Lord was preparing you? So many ways he was preparing me, but I specifically remember after probably about a month after this or two months after this happened, um, John mentioned to me, he would go to this, this men's study. That's kind of like an accountability Bible study group that he started at a friend's house. And he came home one night and he's just like, Aaron, you know, the Lord's put on my heart to pray for you. There's going to be change in your life. I don't know what it is, but I just know there's going to be change in your life. So he was praying for me for this already. And that's unbelievable. Yeah. Like he didn't, you know, it's just, and I remember that came back to me. Um, you know, there's just, you know, just so many things, you know, that God was doing in my heart, even, you know, just, the t- you know, creating me for who I am to be you know this type of purpose you know there's purpose in all this and and I think isn't that isn't that really the most powerful aspect is that mm-hmm. in, in a world where these type of things are defined as as random shooting you know indiscriminate right. that that God that is for the believer that we that we can see through that and see a, yep. a much larger divine purpose and, and you've been yeah. able to see that correct yeah, you know, my questions always, you know, the three questions I had were why so public? Why this way? And why both of them? You know, those were like the questions yeah. that I had and yeah. I and I was so fearful that it was so public, but 
I was hearing testimony after testimony of just like how God was using this and like how Jesus was on the news, you know, like they don't say Jesus on the news. They were saying like every single day, you know, for like a month and a half, you know, this was on the news and, and longer, but, um, how it reached to, you know, five other countries and just like, you know, I was just hearing testimony after testimony of how God was using this. And I'm like, you know, if it wouldn't have happened this way, then it would have never have reached as far as it did, you know, and knowing John's heart, like he, Hmm. you know, would have given his life over for anybody to get saved. And, you know, and I think, believe the Lord knew that in his heart and he had just, and we'll never know. I mean, you'll never know all the purpose that God has had in this, but like he's given me bits and pieces that just, they carry you through, you know, they carry you through. No doubt. And you know, and I've and and from what I've heard, that that was also Olivia's heart, and and yeah. and it's neat that you have a, a set of friends that have have kind of started a a Facebook campaign. We're running out of time. I just mm-hmm. encourage the audience to just go to Facebook and look up Olivia's heart, and just neat things that God is doing. But Aaron, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And may God be with you. May God bless you. And and I just ask anyone that's listening. Uh, be encouraged in tragedy. God can use it. There is a plan and there is a purpose. Amen. God bless. Thank you for listening. This was the Outlaw Radio Show. This is Josh. You've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show with Zach Adams. And as you've gathered, today's edition is quite the departure from what you're used to hearing on this program. And I want to close today's episode uh, by reading a verse. And this is a verse that can seem trite. Sometimes it's read at uh, funerals. But truly, as you've heard this story and you've heard even the words of John Stoffel as he lay there just moments away from seeing the face of Jesus, Uh, This verse comes to my mind. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And we know that John and Olivia are with Jesus right now. And from the entire team here at Outlaw Radio, if you're listening right now and you're going through something incredibly difficult, maybe you've lost someone, maybe you're starting this new year, you just had Christmas, and that special loved one of yours wasn't with you for the first time. We want to encourage you to reach out to a local church. We know that there are great churches, great Calvary Chapel churches in your area that are teaching through the Bible that can help you as you go through this. And as always, please, we want to hear your stories. If you have a story like Aaron's, and of course we pray that you don't, but if you do, if you've suffered in this way, Uh, We want to talk with you. We want to hear what God has done in your life. Please connect with us at outlawradio.org. Again, that's outlawradio.org. On behalf of Pastor Zach and the entire team with Outlaw Radio, we pray God's blessing on you today. Outlaw Radio is a ministry of Calvary 316 in partnership with his productions. 